This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Hurley. Season 4, Episode 5, Implicit Bias and Principled Policing. Does it work? And does implicit bias even exist? The spring and summer of 2020 will be remembered for many things, the pandemic in particular. But the civil unrest and demonstrations triggered by the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis will stand out as a moment of reckoning. The role of law enforcement in America has come under heavy scrutiny with radical calls for the abolition of police departments in Minneapolis, for instance, to defunding of the police department here in San Francisco and beyond. The mayor of San Francisco, London Breed, has led the charge to redirect $120 million of the San Francisco Police Department's budget to the African-American community of San Francisco to serve as redress for past mistreatment of African-Americans by the San Francisco Police Department. It is a controversial move, to say the least. How this redirection of funds from the police department has yet to be analyzed in terms of public safety citywide. So in the midst of this radical step to challenge the San Francisco Police Department's record on racial justice, I decided to do my own research to see how today's police force is trained in modern principles of procedural justice and implicit bias by signing up for a five-hour training course that all sworn and unsworn personnel of the San Francisco Police Department are required to take. Of course, in these times of COVID-19, when in-person classes are not permitted, we had to make do with a five-hour seminar via Zoom, which was led and facilitated by San Francisco police officers. It took place last Saturday, August 8th. The class was instructive and innovative, I felt. So in today's podcast, I'm going to give you a layman's overview of the training that our police officers in San Francisco receive and share with you my impressions. I will also share with you my impressions of what corporate America is doing in the area of implicit bias and compare and contrast that to what our own police department is doing here in San Francisco. But first, let us begin with some definitions of principled policing. The objective of principled policing is to foster and strengthen trust between the police and the communities they serve. There are four principles of procedural justice, namely voice, neutrality, trust, and respect. We will come back to each of those principles shortly. But importantly, those principles provide officers with a roadmap to number one, 
allow people the opportunity to tell their side of the story. Number two, for the police officer to remain neutral in decision-making and behavior. Number three, to treat all people with respect. And number four, to explain the police officer's actions in a way that communicates care for people's concerns. And finally, to demonstrate trustworthiness. In summary, voice means to listen. Neutrality means to be fair. Respectful treatment means be respectful. And finally, trustworthiness means a fair and transparent process, both on the part of the police officer and as perceived by the member of the public who is, be, who is being arrested or questioned by the police officer. Officers are taught that employing these principles on a daily basis works to their own benefit. Number one, it addresses officers' safety concerns and their safety should increase as a result. Their stress levels should decrease. There will be fewer complaints against the police. And there should be greater cooperation and trust from citizens who, voluntary, who voluntarily comply. And the, that compliance is gained and crime should be reduced. That is the theory. Police legitimacy, which is always very important in any police force anywhere, in the face of widespread cynicism throughout society, is a real challenge today. Cynicism is widespread and is not just restricted to law enforcement. Cynicism is widespread and especially high concerning society, politicians, government, institution, and authority in general. And of course, cynicism is the antithesis of truth, idealism, and justice, which are virtues which law enforcement officers swear to uphold. The program focused on the generational effects of police distrust, especially in the area of civil rights. A video of a speech by the chief of police of Wellesley, Massachusetts, his name is Terence Cunningham, which he gave at the International Police Chiefs Association in 2016, was very instructive. Of course, he began by commending law enforcement officers for their longstanding history and successful track record of defending the weak and the vulnerable in society from lawlessness and violence. But he went on to state that historically, law enforcement has been called upon or had been called upon to enforce unjust and discriminatory laws which have now been abolished, but especially in the era of segregation and Jim Crow. That phase of history is over, of course, but the historical distrust 
which was created over a couple of hundred years between law enforcement and the African-American community lives on. And not only in the African-American community, but lives on in other minority communities, in, including the Mexican-American community, the gay and lesbian community, etc. It was a very powerful speech as history, but the generation of law enforcement today in 2020 is long past those practices and days. Most men and women who are in the field of law enforcement weren't even born at the time that those unfair laws and unjust laws of segregation and Jim Crow were on the books and were being enforced by law enforcement. However, scandals from around the country do impact law enforcement officers today. Whether it's George Floyd back in Minneapolis, Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, or Eric Garner in New York, all three of those incidents where police brutality was alleged or was apparent affect the image and the perception of all police officers throughout the country and not just the perpetrators. Then we moved on to the concept of implicit bias, which can have a profound impact on the work of law enforcement officers. Here is the definition of impl implicit bias. The term has been bandied around a great deal in the last couple of months, but here is a textbook version of a textbook definition of implicit bias. It is the bias in judgment and or behavior that results from subtle cognitive processes that often operate at a level below conscious awareness and without intentional control. The underlying implicit attitudes and stereotypes responsible for implicit bias are those beliefs or simple associations that a person makes. Though automatic implicit bias are not completely inflexible, they are malleable to some extent and show up in ways that are responsive to the perceiver's notices and motives and environments. But remember, an implicit bias is different from an explicit bias. An explicit bias would be, for instance, a racist or a homophobe or a misogynist. They will tell you what their biases are and they're unconcerned about your perception of them as they make racist or mis misogynistic comments. And they will talk to you about it um, very matter-of-factly. Implicit biases are very different in that respect. The implicit biases affect us, but they affect us in a host of different ways than the explicit bias. Implicit bias 
can affect what we see. The mere presence of a black face, for instance, can cause people to see weapons faster or to mistake an object for a weapon like a cell phone. A study called the Corel study found that participants were slower to shoot an armed white man than to shoot an armed black man. And participants were more likely to shoot an unarmed black man than an unarmed white man. People are more likely to shoot a Muslim-looking person even if they were carrying an innocent item, but which was mistaken as a weapon. The study found a significant bias to shoot at Muslim targets, implying that fast, spontaneous responses were influenced by underlying stereotypes rather than explicit reasoning. Also, subjects were more likely to shoot men than women, even when the men were harmless and unarmed. Studies show that people link blacks, Muslims, and men to crime. Science shows that the mere knowledge of a stereotype produces an implicit bias. San Francisco Police Department officers are taught that they have a duty to intervene in the case of a wrongful police officer action that they observe. However, on another note, and I want at this point I want to flip over to corporate America and what's been going on in corporate America over the last couple of months after the George Floyd incidents. You've probably seen a host of stories of people being fired, being sacked for what appears to be biases, racial biases, um, implicit bias, and it's kind of a bandwagon that the HR departments and most large corporations have jumped aboard and trying to root out implicit bias. There was an article on the magazine Fast Company which argues that 95% of the population in the United States is affected by unconscious biases. And now, as the corporate world takes steps to root out those biases, the science is becoming more rigorous and we're having to look at the science which underlies and underpins implicit bias. Contrary to what unconscious bias training programs would suggest, people are largely aware of their implicit biases, their attitudes and beliefs, especially when those biases concern stereotypes and prejudices. Such biases are an integral part of their self and social identity. As poet Maya Angelou once said, when someone 
shows you who they are, why don't you believe them? Very wise words. But contrary to popular belief, our attitudes are not strongly related to our behaviors. In other words, implicit bias, even for people who, the 95% of us who have implicit bias, those implicit biases are not strongly correlated to our behaviors. Science shows that there's only a 16% overlap between attitudes, implicit bias attitudes, and behavior, only 16%. And that percentage is even lower when we get into the fields of prejudice and discrimination. So that means that the majority of racist or sexist behaviors that we hear about in the workplace could not have been predicted from a person's attitudes or beliefs, or even statements for that matter, when there's only a 16% overlap between implicit bias attitudes and behavior. So why are we so obsessed with implicit bias if there's only a 16% overlap between implicit bias and behavior? It's, I, I, it, it's, it's hard to understand, and it is not, implicit bias does not appear to be an, act, an accurate predictor of bad behavior, again, based on the science and the research. After all, Sigmund Freud's version of the unconscious, that dark beast of the unconscious, has been largely discredited by science. There are no clear-cut criteria on, uh, on or undisputed bulletproof benchmarks to determine whether racism or sexism, for instance, have been instigated or investigated by corporate training. So the metrics that corporate America is using in this area of implicit bias are very fuzzy. And in the corporate world, unless you... Uh, unless you look at metrics such as fewer lawsuits or fewer HR complaints as a measure of an improving environment in the corporate workplace. So the corporate world is really struggling with its implicit bias training, which brings us back to the principled policing for pillars, voice, respect, trust, and neutrality. That simple acronym, V-R-N-T, voice, respect, neutrality, and trust, is something that I guess all of us, particularly law enforcement officers, can remember and remember to employ when they're confronting any member of the public. On another note, Dr. Jennifer Eberhardt at Stanford University cited a simple practice 
which she had encouraged the Oakland Police Department to adopt. And in, a, in an interview, she confirmed that by adopting that practice, the Oakland Police Department had reduced the number of traffic stops by a significant percentage in the city of Oakland. What she had recommended to the Oakland Police Department was that before stopping a motorist, and of course, there's a, there was a very high proportion of African-Americans who were being stopped by the Oakland Police Department. So Dr. Eberhardt recommended to the Oakland Police Department that before stopping a motorist, and again, because of the high incidence of uh, blacks being stopped, the officer should stop and ask him or herself, why is he going to make the stop? Is it necessary for him to make the stop? And in three or four cases out of 10, when the officer paused and reflected on his reasoning for making the stop, he decided not to make the stop. It's a conscious, reflective process that she suggested, and simply a pause and a reflection. Why am I doing this, and is it really necessary? And as a result of the Oakland Police Department employing that practice, motorist stops, and particularly African-American motorist stops, have dropped dramatically in the city of Oakland. And crime was crime statistics were not significantly affected. So we all have a great deal of work to do in this field. But at the end of the day, in this controversial area of implicit bias, where the politicians are telling us that, or implying anyway, that implicit bias is a determinant of our behaviors, yet the science tells us that only 16% of implicit, there's only a 16% link between implicit bias and behavior. We all need to stop and think about this concept of implicit bias. And I want to come back to the San Francisco Police Department's acronym of VRTN, Voice, Respect, Trust, and Neutrality. That acronym, it's simple, the words are simple, and I think all of us can take a lesson from the San Francisco Police Department in employing that acronym anytime that we feel that we might be about to do something or say something to someone which might be based on an implicit bias, remember those four words, remember that acronym, and it's an effective and easy way to control the effects of implicit bias. And that was my takeaway from our five-hour training last Saturday. My sources for today's podcast include the San Francisco Police Department's training material, the California Attorney General's presentations on implicit bias and procedural justice, Fast Company Magazine, and The Atlantic Magazine. This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy, from San Francisco, America's favorite city.